personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Leaf, who will help you get started in building your real estate empire. Grow your self-confidence, find your grit, and get the skills needed to dominate the real estate world. This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee. Answering your questions. Where do they ask us questions, Lauren? At Listen to Lieb on Facebook or listentolieb.com. So listen is L-I-S-T-E-N-T-O. L-I-E-B. That's our website. That's where you go on social media. If you post your questions, we're going to be answering your questions. We had this question, can I just lock out the tenants? That's what they want to know. Can we just lock out the tenants when they don't pay their bills? Can we just lock them out? And I want to start off with the fact that if you lock out the tenants, historically, in what's called the Rapapel, you don't need to know that, is that they could sue you to move back in and they could sue you for three times the amount of money that they lost from being locked out or had to live somewhere else. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. I'm a landlord. I rent out my space to somebody else. They don't pay me rent. I can't just change the keys? You can't just change the locks, Lauren. And by the way, in June of last year, 2019, they added a new section to the Rapapel that says if you do an unlawful eviction, which means using or threatening force, interfering or intending to interfere with someone's comfort, their peace, their quiet, interrupting their essential services. If you remove their possessions, you remove a door, you change the locks, you break the locks, you do anything like this. Not only can they sue you, not only can they get three times the damages, not only can they bring an action to restore, but they can also have the district attorney prosecute you for a misdemeanor, and you could have a civil penalty between one and $10,000. Wait, I'm just, my mind is blown for a second. You mean a tenant could just not pay their rent and then they can sue the landlord for not letting them in? Yeah, exactly that. So a tenant could not pay and the landlord, what we're learning is you can't take it upon yourself. There's judicial proceedings. You have to go and you have to actually go do something if you want to get rid of a tenant. And if you don't get rid of the tenant, the tenant's going to end up suing you, Lauren. So what are you going to do? You're going to go see a lawyer and you're going to start off with what's called a predicate notice. A predicate notice could be a rent demand. And you might be saying to yourself, I could do this myself. Almost every eviction I see that's dismissed is because this predicate notice wasn't done right. You got to dot your I's and cross your T's to do it right. By dismissed. Dismissed, thrown out. You got to start again. So then you're going to have a pleading, meaning you're going to start with a petition. This is going to be a three to six month process, maybe longer. We just had a client that yelled at us. I want to hear something interesting. He yells at us. We win the eviction. We won everything. We throw them out, right? The client freaks out. How come you didn't tell us that they could bring an order of show cause? What happened is the tenant, after we won, decided that they were going to go try and undo everything we won. An attorney can't know if the other side is ever going to try and throw things out. Wait, is that like an appeal? No. What they could do is they can ask the judge to stay it, meaning to pause the eviction proceeding. They can ask the judge to vacate it, meaning to throw out it. There's a lot of tenant games going on there. And my point being, you can only control in an eviction what you can control. The tenant has 12 million games till Sunday. But Lauren, I want to share something. The question we got wasn't exactly what I just said. It was, can I just change the locks on a commercial space? I didn't add that. And if it was a commercial space, this misdemeanor thing, that's off the table. You're not getting a misdemeanor in commercial because the misdemeanor thing says it has to be a dwelling. In a commercial space, though, you could still be having this three times damages if you engaged in what's called unlawful eviction. However, there's a way in commercial space to do a lawful eviction. 
Did you know that? In commercial space, you can do a self-help eviction lawfully. There has to be four elements to be able to do it. Number one, your lease has to preserve the right to do a self-help eviction. And it has to have in the lease notices about your ability to re-enter upon the tenant's breach of not paying. Secondarily, you have to be able to have sent that rent demand, that same predicate notice. And if you didn't send that predicate notice that had to be dot I's, T's crossed, you got a problem. You want to hear what this is often a problem? The attorney sends the predicate notice from their letterhead as opposed to the landlord's. And there's a case called the KFC case, which says it's not applicable on a tenant unless the tenant knows that it's from the landlord. So the landlord has to sign off on it. Wait, I just want to go back. Is there is this all standard in a lease? I don't understand what you mean by standard. There's no such thing as standards. What you write in the lease in a commercial lease is sometimes 50 pages. So anyway, it could be in the lease. Then you got to do this rent demand. Then here's the thing, though. It has to be affected peacefully, peaceably, not by force, and the tenant has to actually owe the money. So a lot of smarty pants landlords will say, I heard you could do a self-help eviction in commercial. And what I'm here to tell you is you're a moron if you try and do a self-help eviction in commercial. I actually just wrote an article in the Law Journal about this. I'll tell you why. Good luck being able to prove that you did it peaceably peaceably and not forcefully when the tenant shows up and you got a big problem when you're trying to change their locks. So the main lesson we have to our question from at listen to Lee Lauren is that you shouldn't try and do a self-help eviction. You got to go through the process. And if you don't like how much it's going to cost you to do this predicate notice, if you don't like how much it's going to cost you to do the pleadings, if you don't like how much time you're going to be wasting, how they can do an order to show cause to set this whole thing aside, I got a great idea for you. Don't be a landlord. If you want to be a landlord, these are the costs that we have to look at if we want to be a real estate investor to be able to clear out the lease. So to ask us more questions, go to Listen to Lieb and let us know what you want to know. Or you can email info at listentolieb.com. Lauren, we're up to two truths and a lie. This is our favorite game that we like to play. What we do at two truths and a lie is we like to read you three sentences. And then we determine from these three sentences, which one's the true one? Every week we put them up on the Atlas and Talib on Facebook. You could go check it out. All you do is you type in Atlas and Talib, you find it. So you're showing me three things and two of them are going to be true and one of them are going to be false. I'm not showing them to you. I'm reading them to reading you. Reading them. I don't think people could see, <laughs> see things on the radio. So anyway, let's start off with this one. When you buy a property and never change the structure, that means the structure is legal and up to code. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Ready? Title insurance, that thing you have to buy whenever you buy property and you get a mortgage and you really should get, even when you don't get a mortgage because you're a fool if you don't get title insurance. Title insurance does not cover real estate code violations, meaning they don't insure when there's a code issue. The third one, a purchaser's real estate attorney is not responsible, not responsible for ensuring that the property is up to code. So Lauren, I'm going to give you the sheet as I always give you. Why don't you tell them what the two truths and a lie are? Um, well, well, if you buy a property that everything should just be up to code, right? Like every time you go to a property, it should just be up to code. I would imagine it is like, that's what I think. Um, and so then, what are they, Lauren? What are the two truths and a lie? All right. Uh, the first one is when you buy a property and you never change the structure, that means the structure is legal and up to code. That's what I was just saying. So anything that you buy, the property should be fine. So the first one, I, I don't know. I, I, 
I think that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm going to tell you why that's a lie, Lauren. I'm going to tell you that's a lie because how do you know the people before you bought it didn't do a problem? And this has been a thing we've been pushing for a, for a long time. Anyone ever heard of Village of Quag? Yeah. You ever heard of Village of Southampton? These places got it right. If you buy it there and you didn't change the structure, it's up to code. Do you know why? Why? Because on change in ownership, those villages require you to get an updated certificate of occupancy. Meaning when you change ownership in those two villages, they're going to say, hey, listen, we're going to go inspect and make sure everything's legal, the village, before you change ownership. Did you know that's not the law in almost every other village, town, and city in the state of New York and mostly throughout the country? Crazy talk. You're buying property and no one's certifying it's legal. So that's the lie. Tell me the truth, Lauren. Okay. Well, title insurance does not cover real estate code violations. So title insurance is the insurance that the property you bought actually is as you thought it was going to be, meaning the driveways on your property, meaning, meaning the people who sold it to you own the property, meaning there's no liens on the property from a mortgage that wasn't cleared. But title insurance doesn't deal with code except to the extent that it deals with what's called open permits, meaning title insurance is only going to find on a title search if someone started to make something legal and didn't finish it. Can you just explain what a title search is? So what a title search is, is it's going to search the municipalities as well as a lot of other things. It's going to search different governmental entities, and it's going to tell you what is out there, meaning it's going to say, wow, these people took out a permit to put on an extension on the house. But they never certified that to be legal when they were done by getting a CO. So when you're buying property, the title search is done. When you're buying property and get title insurance, the title search is done. And whenever you get a mortgage, you have to get title insurance. When you buy it on your own without a mortgage, and if it's all cash deal, you really should get title insurance if you're not an idiot. But what I'm trying to get across is that title insurance is going to pick up if you kind of did it legal. Not if you didn't do anything legal at all. What does that mean? If the seller got the permit, the title insurance is going to pick up the fact that they got a permit and they didn't close it out with a CO. And that's going to tell you that and you'll know it when you're buying. But the title insurance will never pick up if Stan and Joel, who own the house, decide to put on illegal dormers on the house and they never actually got a permit in the first place. There'd be no way to find that out. What's the last one? That uh, an attorney for the purchaser is not responsible for ensuring that the property is up to code. But the attorney should be responsible. Attorney should be. Guys, how in the world would an attorney who hasn't visited the property know about that illegal dormer that I just told you Joel put on the property? But attorneys know everything. All an attorney can do is read that title report that Lauren was asking me about before. So an attorney's going to pick up if someone got a permit and they didn't clear it out to be a CO. What the process is when you're going to be doing construction is first you go to the town, village, or city and you get a permit for permission to start the construction with your plans and how you're going to do it. And then when you're done, you have the town come and re-inspect, the village come re-inspect, the city come re-inspect and make sure you did it right. But if you never went there in the first place, there would be no record that you were doing it illegally. So again, the lie is, the lie is that when you buy property and you never change it, that means the structure is legal. The other ones were the truth. Next week, what we're going to go over is two truths and a lie. They're going to be available at Listen to Lieb. Go check it out. We'll do it next week. Have you ever dreamed of owning a rental property, flipping a home, opening a successful business? 
This is Real Estate Investing with Andrew Lee.